Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Last night, we watched the movie The Perfection. Not The Perfectionist. (laughs) No. The Perfection. No, that was a fun thing we did after the movie that we could talk about. Yes. Uh, The Perfection is a Netflix original, which inspired me to make the warning note at the beginning, Netflix original, Mm -hmm. because those are always terrible. Are you going to make an anti-warning note? We'll have to wait and see till the ratings. Okay. Uh, This movie came from 2019, and what I'm going to do is give you a synopsis of the movie I thought we were going to (laughs) watch. That's a good idea. (laughs) When I'm looking for movies, I will look at the trailers... But I, you know, I'm looking at a bunch of movies, so I'll just pop on the trailer for like 30 seconds and be like, okay, that's what we're dealing with. This looks good or it doesn't. So in this case, seeing that much of the trailer and paying that amount of attention to it, I thought this was the movie of two women who go out like hiking through the woods together and one of them's freaking out and the other one's like clearly actually going to kill the first girl like it's gonna be not good and but she's you know they went out together in a friendly way and it was that and i thought it was you know one of these things out in the woods who knows what could happen no one's there to see so have you learned a lesson from all of this mikey uh don't judge a movie by its half of its trailer (laughs) yeah because that is not what this movie was about no it's not in fact that Hiking through the woods business takes about 30 seconds of the movie. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I would like to take this moment to say to anybody who actually watches these movies, I'm not confident that any of our listeners (laughs) actually watch horror movies. They just... Which is weird, but okay. For some reason are willing to listen to us talk about horror movies that they haven't seen. But if anybody out there is actually watching these horror movies, you should stop this podcast right now and go watch this movie and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. Because this movie is the kind of movie that you cannot go back and watch the same way after you've heard about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's impossible not to spoil. And yeah. we do spoilers anyway. Yeah. We totally will. And it's just, it's all... It's going to surprise you. And I have told people before, don't bother watching this movie. We're going to spoil it for you. It doesn't (laughs) matter. You won't care. You might care in this case. You might want to have watched this movie pure. So go watch it right now. We'll wait. No, they're back. They're back. Okay. So now that you've watched the movie, we're going to recap for those who didn't. Sure. This is actually the mo- a movie about a music school where they find the best woman cellists and train them to be the best of the best. And there is some competition between these two girls, Lizzie and Charlotte. There are lots of twists and turns. 
you at no point know what's actually going on in the movie. And it keeps rewinding to fix what you saw because yes. it was a lie. Yes. it's There is a hardcore, unreliable narrator element to this movie. And then by the end, it is revealed that, that the owner, Anton, of this music school uses sexual abuse to control and manipulate his favorite students and and he there's like a religious element to it like yeah it's real weird you know they they he tattoos them with a music note and then they become the vessel of god and and they are allowed to play in this one chamber at the school and they have to play perfectly and if they don't the price is being sexually molested by him mm-hmm. yeah and it that doesn't really cover it but that's yeah that's there's, the there's so much complexity now the other important piece of this is that charlotte is forced to leave the school because her mother is sick and by being forced to leave the school and getting counseling and whatever like she realizes how brainwashed she's become she escapes <laughs> the like gravity of the school Part of the fun of that is that they keep showing these cutaways to her in uh, mental institutions and getting like electroshock therapy and stuff. And they make it look like, oh, no, she's crazy and she's Mm -hmm. on the loose now and she's going to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm. the real gist of that is that she worked out her issues. Right, right. She gets better and she gets better enough to realize when she sees the tattoo on this other girl, Lizzie, that Lizzie needs to be rescued. And she's the only one who knows this and, you know, who will be able to do it. So so essentially it's the story of one recovered abuse victim saving another recovered abuse victim. But you don't learn that until very <laughs> late in the movie. Well, and it's so messed up because, I mean, did she really have to chop her hand off to fix her? I mean... There's so many even really terrible ways she could have done it that wouldn't have been permanently damaging. Like, she could have tied her up in a basement and been, like, deprogramming her or something, you know? She could have. I mean, it could have been, like, what what, what happened to her. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. she was removed from the school and she went through all of that. I think the idea is that she didn't believe she would be able to get Lizzie out of their grasp. Unless she... Yeah made Lizzie no longer valuable to them. Like, they needed to kick her out. Yeah. It was interesting. There was definitely the element, too, where, like, in one of the in one of the rewinds, flashbacks, we see after the arm is cut off, she's like, I had to do it this way. You had, you wouldn't have believed me otherwise. Now you'll learn that they don't actually love you and they're going to abandon you and I am going to be here for you. Like she she makes that distinction. And then when Lizzie goes back to the school, they prove her right by kicking her out. Yeah. Because she has no value to them anymore. I mean, it doesn't feel realistic. Like it feels over the top crazy stuff. But it's, it's a fun idea and really interesting and multi-layered. Like the fact that Lizzie forgives her and works with her yeah. is like... Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, and like you said, d- did she have to cut off her arm? No. There are other ways of going about this. I think this, you know, these choices were made by the writers because of how they allowed for misdirection then. Yeah, like, it was for fun. It, it's it's that fine line of 
what's really going on and what do I want the viewer to think is going on and how do I how do I make both happen at the same time? Yeah, that was uh, very tricky mm-hmm. to watch this movie. It was fun. It was confusing. Well, and one of the things that I think is really important when you have a movie that goes back and is like, oh, wait, that's not what happened. Or, yeah. you know, like something has changed. Your, your perspective has changed and you realize that you were seeing things in the wrong way. When they go back, it all has to still work and it all has to still make sense both in what you were told and what you're being told now like and a lot of times when this happens either the new version makes the old version not make any sense at all or like couldn't possibly you know there's pieces that are broken or the new version doesn't make any sense because they stick close to what the old version is and this i think found that happy medium where it's a little unbelievable, but yeah. if you suspend that disbelief, you're like, okay, this all tracks within the story. Yeah. I mean, it definitely works as a story. It doesn't seem like something that could really happen, but, I mean, horror movies usually aren't. Right. So right. It, it, it worked. Uh, was this movie scary? I will say, no, it was not scary. I almost marked it down as a thriller in mm-hmm. our list, but then I just felt like it's just too much torture and mm-hmm. horrific stuff. But yeah, it actually, one, I think I even took a note. Yeah, scariest scene ever, I wrote, talking about early on when Lizzie's on the bus and has to poop and oh the God. bus won't stop and she's throwing up. She's super and, sick. Uh huh. And, and no one. No one can understand her, and she can't get any help, and she's stuck on the bus. Like, and even after that's the, horror. Even after the bus stops, and she has the opportunity, it's past that point of no return where she's yeah. like, "I can't, I can't take another step." Yeah, or that I was won't upsetting. be able to hold it. And ooh, yeah, that is a very relatable, not in the sense that I've ever crapped my pants on a bus before, <laughs> but just the way your body works and how sometimes you can't control what it's doing. Yeah. Ugh, That's yeah. a horror. Yeah. So that was very horrific, but not in a traditional horror no. movie kind of way, just social terror. I think for me, the horror is along those lines like the the scary parts of it were as i was realizing the psychological abuse and the physical sexual abuse that they had Mm -hmm. experienced and how all of that was used to drive them to be perfect and to to have that that's internalized expectation of perfection those things were scary to me because they're very real they're very like these are things abuse is a thing that happens perfectionism is a thing that i know near and dear to my heart Uh um you know those were really scary things I think it also went in a very graphic direction in terms of you know the bugs and the hand and even the abuse Oh, and like that, <laughs> the whole last couple minutes of the movie were really crazy, violent, horrifying. Yes, yes. And it doesn't actually show any of the sexual abuse, but it shows yeah. enough of the like leading up to it that it was pretty graphic. But I will agree with you that it wasn't overall a scary movie. It was a very intriguing 
captivating movie. Like, I was captured by what was going on and what I, you know, the questions that I had. And then as I was realizing the twists, like trying to figure out, okay, is this reality? (laughs) What is reality? Which is also a little scary. Yeah. You actually said something about being expected to be perfect. And that was a line in the movie I wrote down. Repeatedly, they said, Why do we work so hard, Charlotte? To be the best. And why is that, Charlotte? Because it's what's expected of us. That's not how that sentence ends. I don't know what should go there, but that's completely wrong. (laughs) Like, it's so weird to... Mm -hmm. You can't be expected to be the best. That doesn't even make sense. Only one person can be the best. It's this whole extreme demand. Well, it's it's an example of how their reality had gotten twisted to the point where their reality was what Anton said it was. Yeah. And he told them they were expected to be the best. Yeah. And so then that became the truth to them. That became Which, reality. It was interesting how he was like, she'd play a whole song. And there was one mistake in it, and that was completely unacceptable. Like, the idea that there could never be a mistake is, like, that's, you can't even live that way. That's impossible. Well, I think it wasn't that you could never make a mistake. Well, it's right. that you couldn't make any mistakes in this place, because yeah. this was the place where you were playing for God, apparently, or, whatever, or himself, yeah. which I think he sort of conflated he with God. He definitely put them together. So in that case, and I think that's why, like, only certain of their students were allowed into that basement chamber because it was a place of perfection. And you were only allowed to play there after you had passed a series of tests and you had received your tattoo. And at that point, what was expected of you was perfection. Yeah, which is, that's dumb. Yeah, it is. It is. It was interesting to me when we were watching the video afterwards and and it was four musicians, two violinists and two, two cellists. cellists talking about how realistic, you know, the the fingering and the bowing and everything that the that the actresses were doing in the movie. They were they were, you know, analyzing that basically. And one of them read Chinese. So yeah. he read a banner on the on the right. uh, one of the performances that said one minute on the stage is worth 10 years of practice off stage. And they, so, and they ha- like had this conversation about it where they were like, I don't know. I mean, that seems sort of extreme. <laughs> but then at the end, one of them was like, but, you know, I do have this theory that you only make a mistake on stage once. Once you've made that mistake on stage during a performance, you do not make that mistake ever again. And it, it was funny to me that, like, they, I don't think they had actually watched the movie all the way through. Those guys had, the cellist. for sure. So it was interesting to me how he brought this idea of perfectionism <laughs> yeah. from his own life experience, from his own training. I mean, that's classical music is all full of that kind of insanity. Very weird. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the music world is. Yeah. I mean, not definitely not all of it. In fact, you know, there are some types of music that are designed to allow for, like, there are no mistakes. Whatever you do is part of what the music is supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah. Cheating. But that is definitely not classical music. I've been playing Tony Hawk recently, the new remaster that came out. Yes. And I kind of feel the same thing. It's this intricate twiddling of your fingers that is, I mean, it's down to extreme muscle memory at this point. I've played it for years and years and years at this point. 
And it's like the things that you're actually doing is so fast, you can't really think about them. And as soon as you make one mistake, combo's over. You fall in, <laughs> you, you scratch out on the ground. And yeah. I see it. It's the perfection is there. And the combo meter keeps building up and building up mm-hmm. and building up. And then you lose it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to break free from that. So a couple of years ago, I started like really intentionally writing every day. Yeah. And that was part of my process because I know like my own habit is to not be consistent with things. So I, I said, I'm going to write every single day to develop that consistency, to, to stop letting it be months and months and months between writing. Right. Yeah. And so I was writing every day and I was counting my writing streak and I had gotten up to, I think I had a streak of like a year and a half long. I, I don't yeah, remember exactly very what the final number was. And then one day I just forgot, like I, I was doing other things. I got distracted and I forgot. And I had written when I was sick, when I was, you know, crazy things were going on, like Christmas, like no matter what I had written every single day. And then one day I just forgot. And I didn't know obviously until the next day. And I went to do my writing and I was like, Oh, there was this broken empty like hole i felt like i was falling into a hole for a second where i'm just like oh, that, what, uh, uh, because it had been like 700 days yeah. of effort to get to the point that i was at and then it was just gone requires perfection it's what's expected of you well it is what i was expecting of myself yeah. and and so then i was like okay okay at that point i i knew i could get past that like, this doesn't mean I'm going to stop writing every day. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And I started writing again. Like, I started a new streak. I'm like, okay, well, now my goal is to get a better streak. And within, like, two weeks, I failed again. Yeah. Like, it was it was. That's what happens hard. to me all the time. But also, I have decided, like, I realized that the toxicity of trying to break that previous yeah. streak was going to make it so that I stopped doing it. So I had to decide like, okay, I'm going to write every single day that I can. I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to want to do it. I'm going to intend to do it. I am not going to count my streaks anymore. It's not about perfection. It's about the effort. It's about trying. And, you know, listeners, this is what this movie teaches us. This is what this is about is you need to go easy on yourself. Don't be that guy who takes off his clothes and walks up to the stage and says, you know what has to happen now, don't you? Yeah, you never want to get to the <laughs> point where you, where your life has led you to telling your minions, like handing, uh, yeah, handing the over minions. the girl and telling the minions, come get me when she stops biting. Yeah, That's, you don't want that to be you. Don't. Yeah, you don't want to be that person perfectionism is is a dangerous road so just be cool about it just be cool you and i have been practicing that a lot yeah i've been working on it really hard lately you know i've got i've got a list of things i want to accomplish during the week and i used to be real hardcore about it and say not that i had to get them all i never did that but i didn't count a check mark unless it was really doing it and this past couple weeks i've been like no I'm just gonna, I'm going to do the same thing I would do for anyone else, which is the idea. Mm-hmm. Like if you see someone else doing something, you're like, hey, you did a good job. Good try. Mm-hmm. Whereas with yourself, you're like, no, it's not perfect. And right. I'm not doing that. 
I'm saying whatever. That's this awesome. podcast is crap. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's hard in our culture. And and I, you know, I suspect that's part of what this movie was saying was we have a culture. Like it's not just this music school where perfection is what's expected of us. Yeah. Culturally, we have this idea that success is the only acceptable outcome. Yeah. And we've messed up so many, like so many of ourselves and so many of our systems by expecting perfection and and by thinking that once you've done something and you've been graded on that thing, that that's it. It's over. It's done. Yeah. You can vote for Biden. It's fine. Like, <laughs> perfect is the enemy of the good. Yes, it is. And there's no such thing. There is no perfect. There's no... Mm -hmm. You cannot be perfect. And holding yourself or anyone else to those expectations just gets in the way of trying to be the best that you can or trying to grow in any way or trying to have compassion. Like, those are all things that you can try or work toward at various times. I think the problem is that then we try to... We, we hold that idea that we can do anything all the time. And that's a problem. It's a problem. This movie had a weird way of reminding me of Get Out. And part of that mm. was stars the same woman as Get Out. And oh, it does. It does. <laughs> and here she is taking a black person and leading them down a very dark road and, and appearing to be their friend. So, oh, I had not made that connection. That, yeah, ooh, that's yikes. something she just loves to do. But the thing about it was, you know, when they got back to the school and, you know, they had the creepy special room in the school and them all watching this performance on the stage. And it was all like this. It's such a weird thing. It's this kind of evil liberals is what it is. It's like the like Stephen Weber in this movie. From Wings, mm-hmm. right He is on. not playing the same character he played in Wings. He is. He just grew up. But <laughs> That's terrifying. He, uh, he's basically the exact same guy as Bradley Whitford in Get Out. You know, this dark... He seems so proper and pleasant, mm-hmm. I guess. He's, this guy's creepier. But they have that same kind of touchy-feely, hippie weirdness to them. Mm-hmm. And... But underneath horrifying cult rituals. Well, I think you make a good point. The evil liberal idea is it because where where it really comes from is that he believes he is a good person and that he's doing good things. And yeah, he's, cause he's convinced himself. Right. But he's also convinced other people. He has this conservatory and people send their daughters to live with him because they see him as this wonderful artistic you know teacher person like he has this persona of a good person who can be trusted and who is going to do good things you know bring out the best in your children but you know he's that kind of good person supposedly good person that i would not fall for at all like i'd be like ew this guy's gross and weird and i hate it but a lot of people do a lot of people aren't like that in fact before they I even knew who he was. Like, you're following Charlotte at the beginning of the movie. And she shows up. You know she's looking for somebody. She shows up. She's, like, in her pretty dress. She walks into this big, like, performance area, hall area. 
and in the background, kind of fuzzy, like you can't even see their faces, are two people, a male and a female figure, and they're standing close to each other, and they have their hands on each other, and I didn't even know that that's who they were. My brain immediately saw them and was like, those two are weird. That's not an appropriate way to be connecting physically with someone in a room full of people in a public space. Yeah. Like, that sounds odd. You almost have to see it to, to understand what I'm saying because I don't have a problem with public displays of affection. Like, yeah. it was creepy. Yeah, too too much touching was kind of his MO, even just yeah. like putting his arm or putting his hand on the shoulder of a little girl and stuff. And like, he always had to touch one more time. And you know, that's something he talked to the director about. He's like, so this is what I'm going to do. And the director's <laughs> like, ooh, that's gross. Do that. <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's all about, there is a vibe there. Like, mm -hmm. there is an energy. It's the cult leader who mm -hmm. has sex with all his followers. Mm-hmm. Because it would be perfectly possible for someone to be the leader of a musical conservatory and be affectionate toward their students and even put a hand on a shoulder or mm -hmm. put his arm around a, his partner's waist or whatever and to do almost exactly the same things that this character was doing without being creepy. Because there's yeah. this underlying, there's a way where you're doing it because you have connections, you 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 know you're an open person, and people trust you, and they're comfortable with you, and and that's okay. And then there's I am trying to control everything, and I do it with just the most gentle yeah. placement of my hands. And it's there's a a very distinct difference, and I picked up on it before I even knew that he was a main character in the movie. Yeah. So it was it was portrayed well. Yeah, it was. So this movie had the potential to be, as we say, a Netflix original. Uh -huh. This movie had the potential to be Netflix style, which is so much good buildup. Everything you want. Like, like it's like AI writes these movies because they mm -hmm. know, ooh, people really like this and people really <laughs> like that. And this, you know, and they take all the pieces that are popular in movies and they put them all together. And you're like, yes, this movie is amazing. And then at the end, there's, it's just nothing. It's just yeah. nothing at all. And you're left so unsatisfied. AI does not know how to write an ending. Well, I'm pleased to tell you that the Netflix AI have learned how to write an ending. That's scary. If Netflix AI is writing movies like this, I am going to be down for Netflix originals because this movie twisted. This movie was interesting. It had interesting characters. It had all kinds of drama to it. It brought in the best parts of multiple different kinds of horror movies. Like it had a little bit of the torture porn movies. Sure, yeah. It had a little bit of the psychological thriller. It had a little bit of monsters because it had the, you know, the, the bugs in the arm. Like it had a little bit of everything. It was very satisfying. And then at the end, it was also very satisfying. Like... I feel like I got to hear the whole symphony all the way to the final, you know, chord clash, cymbal crash, whatever. <laughs> Unlike most of these Netflix originals where it's like the whole symphony and then the last like note is cut off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this one 
not only did I enjoy it, but the expectations had been set so <laughs> low that I enjoyed it immensely mm -hmm. in comparison to what I was expecting. I really don't have complaints about this movie. Hmm. I liked the production values of it. I thought the acting was great. I thought Charlotte and Lizzie were both amazing. Steven Weber. I don't know that I'll ever like look at him the same after seeing him in this role, but he did a great job with it. It's a good thing I know he's not like this because it's the sort of movie where you might end up not liking an actor because you saw them yeah. be someone so horrific. So, you know, I've been holding out, waiting for the right movie, but we're like close to halfway through the month at this point. I don't know what else I'm waiting for. I don't have complaints about this movie. I am going to give this movie five shots of Chinese vodka out of five. <laughs> so you would say this was the perfection. This was the perfection. Mwah. I, I don't know if it's a complaint exactly, but I have this thing to say about your final symbol crash. Mm. That last scene, I guess, mm -hmm. it was more than one shot, but the last, it was basically a shot was like it was out of another movie. It was crazy the way the final thing that happens in this movie and it's a, a total unrelated thing. There's this idea movies seem to have that as long as you stick a little oxygen tube up someone's nose and tape it there, you they can survive anything you do to them. I've seen oh, it in many movies. I don't think that was an oxygen thing. I think that was a feeding tube. Okay, even worse. But yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it just do anything you want to someone as long as there's a little tube in their nose because they'll just stay alive forever. Yep. Yeah, but that was just a crazy, torturific final moment that was just nuts. And but it's so satisfying after I, everything that he I mean, did to it, it them. It was kind of cool, but he was so weird. Getting it back. Yeah, that was kind of the fun of the movie. It was feminist revenge, and it was yes. fun. I liked it. I liked all the twists and super twists and twists on twists and the twists. And I will give it five shots of Chinese vodka out of five. That's a total of 10 shots of Chinese vodka. And in the movie, it said that after two, you're fluent in Chinese. <laughs> you're fluent in Mandarin. Oh. <laughs> so I don't think we could survive this score. No, I know I couldn't. So, yeah. Yeah. Good one. It was a very good one. I will say that I liked the way they ended it. They didn't wrap everything else up, everything up nice and neat. Like, this was not the end of the story because clearly there were a bunch of people who were dead. Somebody was going to get punished. Like authorities were going to get involved at oh, some yeah. point. This movie but didn't this go to very, the end. This is good. But oh yeah, it ended on that gut punch, that like oof moment. And I loved yeah. that. We'll be back tomorrow with yet another movie review. Yes. Thank you for joining me, Solange. You're welcome, Michael. You should say something to start with so it goes wobbly. Wobble, 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 wobble. <laughs> is, that, is that good? Perfect. Okay.